Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have another great guest, Jeff Eccles, who is the host of the Build Your Brand podcast. Brand new, as far as, far as I know. He is focused on, uh, he's on a message to change the way you do business by helping you communicate empathy, not ego, so that clients and employees see you value, not commodity. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Lance. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Um, why don't you un- um, unpack a few things for us uh, before we get into what you're doing now. Um, what brought you to what you do with Mark over at the Entree Architect um, community? Maybe maybe kind of how you got into this whole um, trying to help people out and grow their business. Sure. Well, like like you and many of the many of your listeners and many of the people in uh, in Marco Page's Entree Architect Academy and Entree Architect community, my background is architecture. Um, my degrees are architecture, and I worked in in firms for 20 some odd years that makes me sound and and feel a little bit old but um i worked in everything from one two person offices all the way up to uh, some pretty large offices uh, mostly in the midwest of the united states but i always say that at no fault of my own i say other other people hijacked my career (laughs) and what that really means is uh, kind of starting with one day I was sitting in the office in Chicago and someone came up and, and, uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, you're, you're really good at those graphics. Why don't you go help the marketing team, uh, with this thing they're trying to finish up? Or you're really good at, at writing. Go help the business development team with this thing they're, they're working on. And so even though I, I quote unquote worked in architecture for, uh, for all those years, my career, sort of took a little bit of a tangent. And and those folks that, that tapped me on the shoulder really opened my eyes um, and the door to the idea that architecture is, of course, buildings. It is, of course, design. Um, many of us aspire to be architects and to design those things, but architecture is also a business. And so that's that's really where my career has gone over the over the years, eventually towards um, director of marketing, director of business development type roles. And I, I really got interested in the idea of storytelling. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of talk in our profession about the value of an architect. And I think um, the reason that triggers people so much and there's so much passion around that and the reason that many architects feel commoditized. I hear that all the time. Hey, we feel like we're a commodity. We're not respected. We're not valued. I think one of the main reasons is we have historically done a very poor job of telling our story. And so that's become a passion of mine. How do we, how do we tell our story? How do we, how do we build our brand as a profession, as a professional, as a firm? Uh, and that's, that's really how uh, Mark and I have started working together on things like um, 
first the the build your brand workshop which which he and I put on I guess late last year and then this build your brand podcast uh, where we just launched season one uh, a week or two ago yeah I think the the other thing what would you say you touched on some things that I think you and I obviously agree on you know making sure you tell your story I think people are drawn to architects for some of those reasons, right? Because eventually you're going to tell their story, even if you're just doing a custom house and they want to, people need that kind of attachment um, to, to a certain place, right? And throughout the process, it's going to be established too. But what about value in terms of contractors leapfrogging architects? How do you, how do you, what do you combat when people say that? Because I'm a contractor as well. And I know that there's two ways to get work. One is the architect, the architecture contacted first, and one other way is the contractors are uh, contacted first. And I always encourage people to, you should become a builder at the same time, and then you kind of put the nail in the coffin. But what about people that just won't recognize that reality? Or, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that isn't a reality. No, I think, I think that's absolutely a reality. And I think, you, you know, you, you said it just a second ago, maybe people don't accept that reality. I think the thing that most people, the, the mistake that most people make is they don't accept the idea that we don't get to determine value, right? Our clients determine value. So whether we're trying to differentiate ourselves from a competitor or even say that we are a competitor or name who our competitors are, we don't get to do that. Our clients get to decide who our competitors are. Our clients get to decide which services they value and how. And so if you're able to bring value to a client through design and through construction, there are clients out there that will see that and go, that's exactly what I want, right? That's exactly what I need. Um, When we try to define value, as a professional, when we try to decide, to define value from our point of view, we're going to fail every single time because this idea of selling that value to a client is fundamentally flawed. They're looking at your proposal. They're looking at what's on your website. They're looking at what or listening to what you're saying, and they are determining, yes, I value that. No, I don't value that, period their their uh, perspective is your reality. And so anything you can do to, number one, figure out what your ideal client, and I talk about that a lot, your ideal mm-hmm. client, that's the only client you should be pursuing. Figure out what your ideal client values and deliver that. Yeah, the other thing to consider too is, and I, I've said this before, speaking with other people is, Architects are sometimes the first cost. We're the first sticker shock, uh, especially if they go the route where they are not contacting the contractor first and the architect second. So you really have to sell your your value. Um, what what are some examples of a poor brand? You don't have to name names or anything, obviously, but what are the top three things that you would recommend people avoid when building their brand? And maybe it's stuff that you think they should that they think they should include, right? But they're like, but you, you know, you've examined it enough times and you're like, oh, that's just because everybody thinks that, that's not, that's not thing, something you should help, help uh, bring into the mix. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a concept that, that I've been working on for a while and I call it ego versus empathy. 
And it's based on neuroscience. And if we, if we boil that down to its very basics, we say, hey, listen, your brain is in your head. And rule number one is, the, the thing that your brain is saying, number one is, I have to stay alive, right? If I don't stay alive, there's nothing else. And so your brain is always looking for ways to stay alive, to survive, and then secondarily, ways to thrive. And so what that means to us is every time someone lands on your website, reads your proposal, listens to you, whatever it is, they're thinking on a very, very basic level, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is when we approach a conversation, whether that's a real conversation like the one between you and me, or it's uh, something on your website, or uh, it's something you say in an interview or whatever, if we approach a, a conversation from a point of ego, meaning this is my experience, this is my expertise, these are my degrees, this is the number of offices we have, uh, this is the experience we have. This is the number of projects we've designed just like the one you're asking about. I'm not talking about egotistical or egomaniacal, just what we think is important. When we approach the conversation from a point of ego and our client or the audience, whoever's hearing this, is sitting there going, well, what's in it for me? Then we're starting out in the conversation in direct conflict with their brain. But if we sit back and and it's especially it's it's amplified in this time of this covid-19 crisis if we sit back and we go okay what is it that they're really concerned about you know what is it that their brain is telling them they have to do in order to survive or to thrive or to come out on the other side of this in a better situation than they're in right now and we approach the conversation from that point of view then we start out in alignment with their brain. And so I guess that's the long way around the barn to say our story, our brand has to be all about them. Uh, there, there's this great quote from Jeff Bezos where he said, um, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. So basically, you're building this, but they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. And whatever they say about your brand is reality, and so we've got to we've got to uh, we've got to build our brands from their perspective, not necessarily ours, from, from a very basic level. A hundred percent. I'm such a brass tax guy that I I started thinking, okay, what have what have we done at F9, or you know, have we? And it makes me think, re, makes me reevaluate. One of the fundamental things we did ten years ago was just putting ourselves in their shoes and uh, how important is that, right? So if you're on a sales meeting with, with um, a potential client, I think one question you should always ask them is, have you ever worked with another architect? How did it go? And feel them out for their hot button points of, oh, that architect who was, uh, he had the core glasses on, he was too stuffy, very pretentious, he wouldn't listen to us, or he or she, uh, or he or she would not return a phone call within 24 hours. How, so I'm I'm able to do that because I've I've been doing this for about 10 years now and I always recommend other people do that. But if you're not, let's say you're not in a sales meeting and you're maybe you are going to launch a new brand after this after this dip in the economy and everything. How do you what do you recommend architects do to re-examine themselves? Any business owner actually to re re-examine themselves and put themselves in somebody else's shoes so they can ask those kind of questions that give them those kind of answers that really set them apart and do those things. 
Yeah, yeah. And and you made a good distinction there. This isn't just for architects. This is any business owner. So um, I'll, I'm going to answer that by telling you a quick story. I was sitting down with <laughs> a a guy that I um, that I met when he was a freshman in college. One of his professors introduced us, and and this kid this kid's a next level thinker. Uh, I've been very impressed with him over the several years that I've known him. And uh, we we had coffee the other day when coffee shops are still open, and he was talking about a place where he had interned. And in this place where he had interned, the uh, the the sales force, the marketing team had developed these personas, and that's what people do in marketing. They create this persona. This is our ideal client. This is Sarah. She's the uh, director of marketing at this type firm, and she's 38 years old, and she has a 10-year-old daughter, and so on and so forth, right? And, I mean, that's how you create a persona. You you gather up demographic-type information and, and kind of form it together, mold it together in the form of a, quote-unquote, human being. And so Caleb, you know, being the 20-something intern, asked his boss, he says, well, how did you create these personas and and when did you create these personas? And his boss said, well, we had a company retreat about five years ago and we all sat around and we brainstormed and we came up with this persona. And then of course, Caleb being an inquisitive, you know, young intern guy said, well, don't you think any of these personas, any of these ideal clients have changed in five years? And, you know, his, his boss sat back and he should have, because the key is number one, we're not dealing with personas. Yes, we can, we can build this idea of an ideal client, you know, who is this person and, and what do they value and all those things. But what I make every single one of my clients do is, okay, once you've built that, I want you to name a real live human being that fits, fits this mold. Because once we've done that, if Lance is our ideal client, he fits all of these criteria, now we know Lance. We know who Lance is. We can have a conversation with Lance, and we can ask Lance, you know, hey, when we work together, what did you value the most in all the things that we did? You know, was it when we pointed out these design options, or was it the result uh, of this renovation, you know, your family uh, was able to to uh, have more storage or have more family time together, whatever it was. Once you've identified who that ideal client is and make sure you have identified a real life human being, I would encourage you to go back to some of those people, whether it's you or a third party, because some of, sometimes it's easier for a third party to ask those questions and get honest feedback. Uh, that's not a pitch. That's just human nature. Um, somebody sit down and ask great questions and listen. Listen to what they say, listen to what they value, and build your offerings and understand the value that they got from you. Build your offerings and build your brand around that. Yeah, I think that's great. We had a couple of specific examples I would give the listeners is when we when we redid our uh, proposals and we made them highly graphic because I think 
I've seen other architecture proposals, um, and they're they're very wordy. Sometimes they're scary, especially if they're the AIA contracts. No offense. And so I thought, man, there's there's got to be something to this to just break it down to people who have never worked with an architect before, so they understand the process. And we had I had my wife look at it. I had we had Alex's wife look at it. We had our moms look at it, and we had a couple other we also had a couple other business owners look at it too. Um, but that their feedback that they gave us because they would have been our ideal client. I mean, what's hilarious is like my wife, we designed and built our own custom house. And I'm like, well, she is literally that kind of client um, that we go for. So you talk about going after your ideal clients. What if one of your friends is very wealthy and he's got a very high, he or she has a very high sense of uh, style and design taste and everything, but you know, they already just built a house. What would it hurt to, go reach out to them, right? And and ping and ping these I use them as a sounding board. I think that's I think that's brilliant, Jeff. Uh, I would encourage everybody to do that. So what is your if you could boil it down, what do you think your uh, favorite builder brand's success story is, even before you guys launched the pro, launched the pro podcast? Yeah, well it, it's it's interesting because the the process of so, so the concept of the build your brand podcast is every every season we take a brand, um, a big, world-renowned, you know, considered one of the best brands in the world, um, and by design, it's something very different than architecture. Um, so we take this big brand and we start pulling it apart, and we start digging into it and looking at their backstory and how they built the brand and grew the brand and pivoted the brand, um, and, and looking for the lessons that an architect can learn from that brand. You know, I, I think that distance, you know, between the architect and the big brand is, is very helpful um, because, you know, you can look at it and you go, my gosh, uh, Southwest Airlines is the brand we use for season one. And they go, you know, they have a multi-billion dollar budget. What could we possibly learn from them? Well, as it turns out, a lot of what they have done to build that brand didn't cost anything. A lot of it's a mindset. A lot of it is a focus. And so when I'm looking at what I would call good brands uh, or the best brands in the world, I'm, I'm looking for, number one, a customer-centric focus. Um, and that doesn't take anything away from, from the design community or the desire, hey, we, we want to we design something special. We, um, you know, we want to create beautiful architecture. None of this takes anything away from the practice of architecture, it just enhances it. 100%. It, I always tell clients this should be a fun experience. You might only get to do this once in your life. This better be fun. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we're looking for purpose. What is your purpose? What is when F9 Productions um, works with their ideal client? What is the fundamental purpose that they bring to the table? You know, and, and if we if we kind of relate it back to season one of the uh, of the Build Your Brand podcast, eventually, and a lot of people don't understand this. This didn't come from day one. You know, when Southwest Airlines started, they had an idea, but it took a minute, several years, to evolve to the point where they said. We're all about giving people the freedom to fly. You know, it took them a while to figure that out and focus on that's what our actual purpose is. But once they figured that out, 
Another thing a lot of people don't understand is that they have this relentless focus, even to today, 40 some odd years later, they have this absolutely relentless focus on that purpose. What does it mean when a customer has a problem here? What does it mean to give them the freedom to fly and how do I respond to that? When the economy is going, you know, haywire, what does it mean to give our clients, our customers, the freedom to fly? And what do we do about that? Whether it involves fares or fees or anything like that. And so, I mean, that's the big takeaway. Um, and, and that's what I look for in brands is what's your purpose? How relentlessly focused on that purpose? And how do you, are you, and how do you use that as the key to answer every situation? And if we look around at big brands, the best brands all around the world, that's the commonality. That's the commonality between all of them. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you're focusing, you know, it's just, it's so simple once you, once you really sit here and examine it, right? I mean, who's writing the checks? The client. So everything should be client centric. And that, uh, you know, it really shouldn't take away from the design process or the quality of everything you're doing. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why architects are so, uh, or designers in general, are so worried about uh, calling it a business because it, it is it is a business. You got You got to eat. I, I mean, our alma mater really points boils it down to, and I think I, I wish more people would take the mantra of it's a balance between the science and an art all day long. That is exactly what it is. And you, you, if you have too much science, well, then you end up with like Soviet Russia style block Eastern block buildings, right? If you have if you have too much art, then you end up with Frank, trying to live in Frank Gehry's buildings, which you know I, I know that there's a few of them on the, the MIT campus that are that are workable. But yeah, um, well, talk unpack a little bit more about um, the Builder Brand podcast. So this they just launched, and then you guys are going to do seasons, and we talk about the focus um, and what you guys kind of lay out there for everybody to listen to. Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Season one just launched. Uh, if you're, I think, uh, go go to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and episode two should be out. Well, well, by the time this comes out, probably episode three will be out. And it's a 12-episode season. And we start at the very beginning. For season one, we start at the very beginning of Southwest Airlines, and we kind of go through the origin story. So in every every episode, we roll out part of the story. We unpack it a little bit, and we look for the lessons that an architect can can uh, learn from that part of the story. And part of the part of the fun of it all is that we also ran with this idea, and you you, you were sort of touching on it a minute ago when you when you sort of did the mom test, right? When you when you were showing your proposals and, and things to your moms and and other people, there's this old adage, I guess, or, or this, this, uh, this wisdom that we should write at an eighth grade level. And that used to be kind of, that used to be pushed so hard that when I was in school, we had a word processing, I'm a little older than you are, we, we had a word processing program that we would type our papers into, and it would show what grade level we were supposedly writing at. And if we were writing from an understanding standpoint above an eighth grade level, that was a problem. 
most journalists back in the day would say, hey, we're trying to write at an eighth grade level because that's sort of the the average of of the the reading level of people across the United States. So if we think about professional services, and we don't even have to throw architects and engineers under the bus, we'll just take all professional services. Yeah. They are the bona fide experts. They're educated mm-hmm. in this and so on and so forth. Think about how we usually communicate in this world, far, far above an eighth grade level, uh, with lots of jargon and, and lots of lingo and things like that. And so the fun part of one of the fun things that we did in the Build Your Brand podcast is I talked to eighth graders and I interview mm-hmm. eighth graders and we recorded eighth graders talking about what they thought about this architect's website or what this architect said. And so the eighth graders from Miss Moyer's class, um, they appear in, in I, I think about 80% of the episodes and, and, you know, they, they kind of tell you as an eighth grader might in a, fairly blunt fashion what they think about the the way uh, the way this architect has designed their website or the way that they explain something what an interesting test these are really these are really, these are really interesting tests that you are kind of un, unpacking for us and, and bringing us out to the forefront man i would really encourage everybody to do it um test why 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 would that hurt you know i, I it reminds me of um when you're in architecture school or any kind of design school, you have design uh, critiques. And leading up to the critique, you kind of, number one, you were, for our school, you know, it was highly competitive. And so people hid their designs from people or, you know, you don't want your ideas to get stolen. And once Alex and I got out of college, then we had some of our designs ripped off, so to speak. I mean, it was actually more flattering than anything. So, I just think holding things close to your vest like that is just going to hinder you. You really have to get your ideas out there for your business or however you're going to brand it into a soundboard. Somebody has to sound soundboard the idea, even if it's a product. Early on in our careers, we started, we were doing some drafting for, we would take anything on because it was a great recession and we would do uh, drafting for inventors. And that was another lesson for us was, Okay, let's say let's say in this recession, this next one, you find um, some product that everybody needs. I don't know, extra big toilet paper. Is there another person that's already doing extra big toilet paper out there? And then if are, could you do it better? Oh, you can't? Then don't do that idea. I mean, you're just going to save yourself so much time and effort and money by having those those sounding boards. So speaking of this uh, sort of downturn that we're hitting hitting now, uh, we're recording this on let's see here, March 23rd, 2020. Uh, Jeff told me that actually where he lives, they're going to go on lockdown very soon. We think Colorado's are too. Kind of crazy times. What what advice would you give small business owners in this climate right now and moving ahead? I know there's a lot of chatter right now about what does this mean for the future of business and, and the way we work? Yeah, so that's a really, obviously, that's a good question. It's a timely question. And I think the most important thing for people to be to well, maybe the first thing for people to remember right now is that we're all in the same boat. Uh, I was on a call with somebody earlier today, and uh, clients were going MIA, and people weren't returning phone calls, et cetera. Yeah. So right now, people are trying to figure out how this all works, right? Mm-hmm. There are people that are trying to figure out how to set up their remote offices and things like that. That'll pass, 
right? People will figure it out and they'll get back into a groove and communication will start back up. Um, so let's not panic about that just yet. But number two, I think what is one of the things that's very important is that we we have as many human to human empathetic conversations as we possibly can. And so for an architect, that may mean reaching out to your current clients. It may mean reaching out to your prospects. It may mean reaching out to recently past clients and just having very realistic conversations, very honest conversations. Hey, what's changing? What's working for you? Um, how does this, how does this new reality that we're facing right now affect your thinking about your project going forward? Now that in our house, we have four adult sized people home 24 hours a day now suddenly. How does our house function differently today than it did a week ago? And does that change our thinking going forward? Um, if you do commercial work, um, you know, how does this, this new reality that we're looking at, how does that affect your thinking going forward? Are there, are there things that are changing? Um, and one of the things that I encourage people to do is number one, understand that your number, your job is to bring value. Your job is to solve problems. So listen and listen for opportunities for you to help these people in new ways. And I don't mean that in any way from a selfish point of view. If you're having a conversation with a client and they say something and you're actually, you're actively listening and you have some sort of solution or you have some sort of idea that can help them present that, right? It is your job to help them figure out how to survive and how to thrive into the future. Every architect on the planet says they want to become known as the trusted advisor. Now's your time. Become the trusted advisor, earn that title, uh, and, and show, you know, if, if the hair on the back of your neck bristles when someone says, how much does it cost for a set of blueprints? Show them that there's more value in architecture, there's more value in design, more value in what you do than just construction documents. Yeah, 100%. I've had a, I've had a couple, I'll share just a couple little quick anecdotal stories here. A couple clients that have reached out to me and we've had reassuring discussions with them. And one of them was uh, she wanted to have a call right away, 8 a.m., I think it was Friday. And she said, so I set that up. I just ran right at it and said, we need to have a discussion because she said, I want to know how I can. She just bought this one and a half million dollar church that we're renovating. It's really cool. It's actually not a church, but it was going to be this millennial playground. And uh, she said, I just need to be able to occupy the space now. What would that mean in terms of construction and drawings and everything? I said, so I reassured her about how we would we still keep moving ahead. The drawings have already been submitted and just reassured her that um, we would actually do a little bit of gratis work for her just to help help with the blunt of, of the whole thing because it would be so minimal of the amount of work we'd have to do just to modify the drawings just so she could get an ADA bathroom in there and then get the thing renovated and keep, and, and occupied and start being able to pay rent uh, or sorry, mortgage rather. Uh, another one was, which is interesting is, I had a, uh, a, a one of our one, a gal call me and she said, "Is now the, should I?" She has her building permit. Should I be building? 
and she's in building in Boulder County and we are too right now. Um, and I said, yes, now is the perfect time to build because the inspectors are just allowing us to do, um, take pictures and here's your, here you, here you, you pass the inspection. It's actually working out really well. No face to face. It's faster. And I'm, so those kinds of reassurances, there's always a silver lining. There's always an opportunity, right? So yes, you, I, th- I'm, I would totally echo what you're saying in, in that respect. And then the thing that I'm trying to figure out still, maybe you have the idea, Jeff, is like, what is going to be the opportunity to come out of this in terms of actual physical architecture? Are people going to want safe rooms? Are people going to want clean rooms? Are people going to want to be reassured that the products you're specifying are bacterial and viral resistant? Like there's got to be something to this. Or here's one idea I had that I would throw out to everybody and encourage them to try is what about virtual meetings? From, from a sales standpoint, so like, could you walk through a kitchen with somebody with using FaceTime or Zoom and say, you know, here's my ideas, and then, great, that was a good meeting. I'll put together a proposal for you so you can still keep moving business along because not everybody's going to be unemployed. People are still going to have money to spend, and, and then we're going to even more so than out there sitting in their kitchens hating it and wanting to re redo their stuff. So, um, Jeff, I think we're just about out of time, so please wrap us up with – where can people follow you, find you, get in touch with you, and how can you help them? Well, I appreciate it, I, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here in front of your audience, Lance. And uh, you guys do such a great job with Inside the Firm. It's, it's, a, it's an honor. But uh, um, I, I play a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where my ideal clients tend to hang out. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so reach out to me there. Uh, pretty easy to find me. Just remember, I'm not a chiropractor from uh, Austin, Texas, or a professor in Mississippi. So other than that, I, I think I pretty much have the Jeff Eccles market cornered. Uh, Build Your Brand podcast is everywhere that you consume podcasts. And if you want to know more about my consulting or my uh, my uh, keynote speaking, you can go to uh, my actual consultancy website, Echo Engage. It's Echo Engagement is the name of my uh, company. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on, Jeff. We wish you all the best and uh, good luck over the next couple of weeks. Great, Lance. I appreciate it. Stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.